Are you, like Newcastle United, one of those who all you do is win every single day, no matter what? Well, if you want to win at running your own business, it's time to draft Shopify as your all-in-one commerce platform. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customise your online store to your brand, discover new customers and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. Shopify is the secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning ideas into the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash truefaith, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash truefaith to start selling online today. That's shopify.com slash truefaith. It's the True Faith podcast. This week's show is a special taster from our Patreon channel, um, we are lucky enough to record every week with, with Keith Gillespie and Warren Barton and their schedules have aligned, so we've got them both on this week's show. Um, you can listen to these uh, every week with five to six other brilliant recordings uh, over on our podcast channel, uh, patron channel, sorry. Uh, details in the description of this podcast as always, it's all over Twitter, etc. on the website. Um, please take a look, um, but by all means, just enjoy this free version of the show brought to you by Longtime True Faith contributor, Mark Corby. Enjoy. Hello there, it's your host, Mark Corby, and a very warm welcome to the True Faith podcast. It's the Pro View. I'm delighted to be joined by ex-Newcastle United footballers Warren Barton, Keith Gillespie. Uh, Warren Barton played for Newcastle between 1995 and 2002. 193 starts, plus 27 substitute appearances, uh, and don't forget them five goals. And we've got Keith Gillespie between 95 and 1998, 121 starts, 26 sub. A few more goals, Keith. You've got 14, but you should because you were a bloody winger. But, uh, <laughs> but there you not go, many, gents. It? It's not that many, but great to see you, lads. Absolutely delighted to have you both on the show for this uh, reflection of the season that's just gone. Um, obviously, we've qualified for the Champions League. We were very positive throughout the majority of the season, we will admit. Uh, but we did get over the line, um, you know, with a couple of games to spare. Uh, Keith, I'll come to you first, mate, as a veteran of the show. Um, we've qualified for the Champions League, mate. How, how does it feel as an ex-player of Newcastle, but also as, a, as a, an obvious supporter of the club now? Yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously been such a long time since since we last qualified under, um, I think it was Sir Bobby. Um, so, I mean, it's been long overdue. I mean, a club of Newcastle size and stature, um, you know, now we have the sort of money, you sort of think, well, this should be a regular occurrence for us every year. Um, you know, we're we're fairly new into this you know new ownership and the money that we've got so to actually get it in the first full season 
you know, is, is, is incredible. It's been an incredible season from start to finish. I think if you had said we would probably finish top eight this season, I think most Newcastle fans would have, you know, bitten your hand off considering what had gone on in previous years with, you know, always that, you know, relegation battle that we had under under Ashley for quite a few years. So, you know, it's 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 incredible that the club's back there. Um, you know, they've they've done it in the right way because I think with the way when you when you get money you can go out and be a little bit stupid with it and just buy all around you. I think they've they've bought very well, the players that have come in. And even the players that were already there have, have been completely transformed. Um so yeah, no, it's 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 great and you know it's great even you know, looking forward to going going back to St James's next season. You know, just just hearing that Champions League music just just means everything to to the players and the fans. Um, and you know, luckily, Warren and myself have have you know tasted that, and we know what it's like, and we know what a great place Newcastle is to play football. And we want the best the best clubs in in Europe coming over and playing. Yeah, yeah. Keith had a lot of great points there. You know, for me, a lot of pride because, like Keith said, we had great times up there. We uh... We experienced the city and Keith was obviously there a season or a little bit before when I got there. But the atmosphere every time you went into the, the stadium was was one of like joy, one of fun, one of excitement and a lot of pride. Uh, and to do it so quickly uh, and to do it with the style that Eddie's done it. And, um, you know, now, like Keith said, it should be a, a regular occurrence. It's going to be difficult. You know, we know Liverpool are going to get stronger. You think Chelsea might suit, uh, sort their house out a little bit as well. Someone like an Aston Villa might start breaking into that top uh, top area as well. But it's just great for the city, great for the people. Uh, the owners are ambitious. They they wanted it. Uh, and I remember talking to you, Mark, about, you know, you know, if we go down, you know, we can always bounce, bounce straight back up. That's not always the case. And it's the same with the Champions League. When me and Keith had that night, I think, Keith, we're never going to forget that night against Barcelona, arguably. Tino gets a lot of the headlines, but you, you was on fire that day. And I agree, one of your best games for, for Newcastle. And to do that in the Champions League against Barcelona, against Louis van Gaal and Figo and all the players that we played against um, was just a great occasion and something that I'll always go down as one of my best best nights at the club. And, um, you know, we thoroughly enjoyed it. So it, it's just great for everybody involved. And like me and Keith, we wasn't particularly going back to St. James's the last 14 years, but now... We can't wait to get back and it's it's fun to go there. We're, we're actually, people are asking us to go back and enjoy it. And it just brings back so many good memories because um, we had a great time, you know, and I think that's where me and Keith and, and whether it was Les and Janola and Peter Beersley, Rob Lee, we'll always remember them times in our life because it was such a, a good group of fellas to be around. Uh, we had a great time off the field as well as on the field. Uh, <laughs> maybe too much, Keith, to be honest with you, but... <laughs> But uh, no, we had, we had a lot of fun and, you know, we went out there and played for each other and particularly me and me and Keith was, we clicked straight away when I first went into the club. It was easy with Keith, just give him the ball, put it in space and he made it simple for me uh, and he did the rest. But yeah, just great for, you know, Mark, you've waited a long time, 20 odd years yeah. uh, and it's back. And the, the main thing is now is to keep getting there uh, because you want to be part of that. Big, that's what City did. You know, it wasn't. They didn't go and win it straight away, but they kept getting in there, kept getting in there. And now they've got probably the best chance they've ever had of, of winning the treble. And arguably, I think they, they're going to go and do it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I mean, you've perfect segue, Warren. Um, you're talking about your partnership with Keith and this. Kind of, I was going to bring this in later on, to be honest, but I'll ask, I'll ask you both a question. Keith, I'll come to you first. I know you love a quiz. Um, before your injury at Old Trafford, 
which for me was probably one of the biggest uh, concerns for the rest of the season, shall we see? I, I do think the balance of the side did, did did go once you didn't come back back in straight away. But we played 23 games, mate, in uh, League and Cup. Uh, obviously, you and Warren, great partnership on the right-hand side, amongst others, amongst the team, we must add. Of them, 23 games, mate, in League and Cup, how many did we win? Oh, I would, I would hazard a guess about 16. Warren? 20 and probably one loss against United. Well, we lost against Southampton as well. I knew that. Yeah. Well, we won uh, 18. 18. 18 of those 23 in League and Cup. Um, I didn't include the Man United game. I was being cheeky because I'm saying that it was nil-nil before Kiefer. Oh, in fact, no, it was one-nil, wasn't it? Andy Cole had scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, if you're going to do a quiz, <laughs> get the fucking question. Right? <laughs> 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 who, who mentioned Andy Cole? He's not, he's not allowed. But it just goes to show, lads, but, you know, we, we, we do reminisce, we do look back at that that side very fondly. And, and your partnership, as you, as you rightly said, Warren, mate, you, you give the ball to Keith and the rest was easy, but you won the overlap. You know, he's all paid your part in assists in goals. Um, it was just an absolute joy for me as a as a tender, what was I then? 16, 17? I was a kid, absolutely loving it, lads. So thanks to you for, the, for those memories as well. It's it's easy for you no, to talk about, I mean, but for us to watch it was great. No, I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i spoke to you before about it and, and, and mentioned Warren about, you know, because I, I love playing Warren because he, he said it as it was there because I was obviously the winger, so he just he just gave you the ball as, as, as early as he could and that's what you want as a winger. And then even when I when I did come inside, you know, because Warren Warren's probably one of the fittest players that we had at the club in terms of his engine as well. You know, he was always on that overlap, you know, and you look at the amount of goals that even he, the crosses he put in and the goals that he set up as well. So we just, as he said, we just sort of clicked. We knew each other's game, you know, pretty Pretty, pretty straight away. I, w- I would sort of say, you know, from mm-hmm. from when he came in in preseason. I mean, I, I I was six months before Warren, and then we had that full preseason. We had a great preseason, you know, and we went into that season. You know, we were, you know, we were ambitious, but we we didn't certainly expect to be challenging for the league. I, I think Kevin Keegan was the only one who probably probably did. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think after maybe you know a couple of months. You know, we were all believing then that we could win the league, and you know, it's just unfortunate that we we probably didn't get over the line as 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 we all know. Mm-hmm. We're not going down that route again, gents. We've talked about and broke our hearts far too many times. Uh, but uh, back to the Champions League, Warren. I mean, you, you, you're right. You said you've experienced Champions League. We played uh, eight games, if you include the uh, the qualifiers against Zagreb that season. Uh, you both started five. Keith had another substitute appearance as well. Uh, you mentioned the Barcelona game. Obviously, that's the standout moment. But overall, Warren, any any other memories of the whole the whole campaign? Because we fell short in the end. The uh, the game at Barcelona fell a little bit flat, shall we say? Because Barca were out, and it was only about twenty six thousand in the camp now, which is it's frustrating as a fan to go all that way, and it's not you don't really experience the full the full Barcelona experience. But yeah, take the way around. Any any sort of other memories of, of the campaign? And they put you in with the gods as well, didn't they? Yeah. You are right at the top and it was pissing down with rain uh, as well. And I was in, <laughs> injured for that one. But just yeah, the Zagreb game was like Tino yeah. was on fire. And I don't want to bring it up, but that's really when I, I had the, the racist chance. You remember that, Keith, when Tino, every time he touched it, there was the, the racist side. But we ended up winning that game. And I remember playing against uh, Silvio Maric as well. And he's, uh, Kevin, who come to the club afterwards, and uh, Kenny Dalglish said, like, just... Man, man, mark him. So I did a like Keith said, I was a good athlete. I could run around, and Silvio actually split my eye open. So he, um, it, we got the result. Uh, we ended up winning the game, 
but you know, playing against PSV, uh, the Barcelona game will always stick out. But I think you know, obviously, Kiefer being at United and come through, and their expectations was to be involved. I'd, I'd come from like non-league, <laughs> lower league, Wimbledon, and all of a sudden uh, we're, we're playing against Barcelona. So you know, that was very much, I think, like all of us, it was a a bit surreal. Um, at that time, we had to qualify as well. It's not like top four yeah. automatically break in. So it was a little bit harder to get into it. Um, but just a, a wonderful occasion. And, you know, I've still got my, sh- my first shirt I wore with the Champions League uh, badge on the side and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, just things that you you tend to sometimes don't appreciate when you're in the middle of it all. But afterwards, sitting back, being involved, you know, whether it's five games, 50 games, it doesn't matter. It's still you, you've been involved in them games. And for us going forward now... I'd love us to have Real Madrid at home. I want us to get a really big, big European team like at home. We've got back in it for the first time from 22, 23 years. You know, you don't want to get, you know, I'm not saying there's no minnows in Europe, but you want to get a Real Madrid. You want to get a PSG that's going to come to uh, St. James's and, you know, it, the place would be rocking. As it was with only 36,000 people that night. And I walked yeah. in with Rob Lee and they was, they was doing the music, just getting ready for the music. That hits you straight away, as Keith said. All the stars on the um, billboards and all on the seats was out. Um, and we was ready to go. And, um, you know, we got up to 3-0. So, yeah, just great, great, great memories. Um, and something that no one can ever take away from you. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's where you want to be season in, season out. Uh, but it's difficult because it's the best of the best. Or if you're fourth, or if you're fourth, you're still getting. Don't really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we were the first. uh, We were the first side to qualify for the qualifiers as a second place club, if I remember rightly. So uh, you know, back back to Newcastle sounds good. Keith will come back to Champions League uh, football just after this small ad break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So Keith, obviously Warren mentioned Barcelona. I mean, you've talked about that for a long time. I would imagine you've had a fair few pints bought for you. Based on that, uh, based on that display, mate. But uh, Mark, you know, Mark, they left me. Wait, they left me a fucking lot. <laughs> Brilliant. But 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 Keith, you know, I, I think we've discussed before. Um, you know, and, and Warren did allude to the fact that I, I could be uh, one of your best performances, uh, certainly in your Cast United career, mate. I mean, is there an argument for that it, it certainly is the best in your opinion? Is that is that the game where you look back and go, yeah, Barcelona at home? That that was the the best performance of my career. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, I think I've spoken about it so many times. That it was just one of those nights where, you know, everything went right. Um, you know, I've, uh, again, I've mentioned before where if I'm up against a fullback, you know, nine times out of ten, I was probably quicker than most of them. So if there was grass in behind and I could sort of just drop the shoulder, I knew I was going to get there. And, you know, that's what happened that night. You know, I spoke about it with, with about Sergi. You know, I... I knew, I knew a little bit about Sergi, the left back. You know, he was a Spanish left back, but in all honesty, I hadn't seen him play that much. Um, so it was just a case of you know what Warren. Even after we scored the third goal, I remember Warren gave me the ball again and I put a cross in. The goalkeeper yeah. made a great save from Tino. It could have been four 0 um, and you know you, you just get nights like that. But you know I'm fortunate because you know when you when you look back and you go, who's the best? was the best game you ever played, uh, who was the best team you ever played against and the best game you had. You know, I'm fortunate where I can say at Barcelona because there's not many people can say that. And, you know, it was it was just one of those nights, you know, our first ever game in the Champions League as well. And, you know, first time hearing that Champions League music, it's in James's Park and it's against Barcelona as well. And, you know, you mentioned the player, Warren mentioned the players before, you know, your Figos and your Rivaldos, Luis Enrique, you know, they, they, had, a, they had a great side. They weren't, I don't think they were doing too great in the league that season, but they still had some great players. Um, and it says it all that they, they came bottom of that group. You know, that sort of shows you how maybe they were struggling as a team, but mm-hmm. I don't think you can take anything away from us, you know, in the first game of that, you know, the game, first game of six, you know, that we we beat them. And, you know, another few minutes, and I'm not sure whether we would have. Because, uh, <laughs> we, got, uh, we got a little bit uh, too close for comfort at the end, but, you know, we managed to hold on. And I think it would have been an absolute travesty if, if, if we didn't win that game, you know, considering how well we played. Fantastic. Sometimes, Mark, Mark, I just bring you, like, Kenny had said to us about their fullbacks getting close and Sergi, Keith probably ruined his career because he was ne- he never played after that. But <laughs> when, when someone's like they was pushing up, so you know, Kenny said, anytime you get it, put it in behind or just give it to Keith's feet and, and leave it. And as a team, you knew he was on fire, so you just kept giving him the ball, giving him the ball, giving him the ball because it was relentless. And at the end, Sergi didn't know what to do. I wasn't going to go and help him because I'll just leave him. It's one on one. There's no point in me going back and taking Luis Enrique or Figo back just in the hole. Just I can give it to him and, and let him destroy him. And that's what mm-hmm. we did as a team. We'd spoken about it briefly. And when Keith was on fire like that, you fancied your chances against any fullback, whether it's Graham Lassar at the time or Stuart Pierce or whatever, just give it to him and leave him. Uh, and as a team, we we sort of, in the first couple of minutes, you sort of hold on a minute, Keith's got the pace here and he's got him on, on toast. So you just kept feeding him the ball. Um, so there's a little bit more that 
to it than that because Keith stood up to that moment and mm-hmm. said like give me the ball and we just kept feeding it to him and he kept going so it was it was a joy to watch it was a joy to watch it was a joy to be there and I, I still say this to this day gents that it was the loudest as you say Warren with 36,000 there that was the loudest St James's part I've ever heard in my life it's as simple as that even with 52 53,000 there now so uh, a great experience and in listeners we will be talking more in depth about the Champions League uh, during the summer so if you want to listen to more from the gentleman, please consider signing up to the patron for around about £8 a month. Okay, Warren, back to you, my friend. Um, you know, the honest question um, is a kid, is a kid. I mean, I, you know, I was brought up on, you know, Wembley FA Cup final, you know, the, the uh, obviously not Newcastle playing, but uh, that was the standout <laughs> game of the season. Uh, as a kid growing up, mate, obviously, you know, late 70s, 80s, you were coming into, um, you know, being a footballer. Um, was because obviously at the time with the Heysel disaster, the, the the European ban of English teams, you know, was was European football sort of back of your mind when you started your career? Because what I suppose my question is, was it all about playing at Wembley in the FA Cup final, which you did end up doing, or back of your mind were you thinking, you know what, I'd love to play in Europe, which I did as well, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> think. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the time, you know, watching European football with Liverpool at the time was dominating, you know, back-to-back yeah. winning it was quite surreal because, you know, on TV, watching them win European trophies, it wasn't the big build-up that you get now. It wasn't knowing where the other teams was and who they played against. So that was sort of like a far away distance. That was like a, an oasis that you, you're never going to get there. So what's Emin Hughes and Graham Souness lift up the trophies was was a long way away. For me... When I and I always remember this when speaking to people like Kieran and uh, Dyer and, and Craig Bellamy, for me to be a player was watching Alan Sunderland. I was an Arsenal fan, and they played Manchester United, West Ham, and Ipswich back-to-back cup finals, late seventies, early eighties. And Alan Sunderland, they call it the five-minute final because Arsenal was winning, United come back, and then Alan Sunderland scored at the end, and he ran the length of the field, Wembley, screaming and shouting. He had big fuzzy hair as well, so that was my first. I want to. I want to play at Wembley. I want to. I mean, Brian Robson was my hero as a kid growing up. Yeah. Seeing Brian Robson score a goal in a World Cup, I wanted to, you know, try and play for England. When you asked Bellas and and um, Kieran, it was about what car they want and how much they're going to get. It was never, never about you know planning them them type of things. So that's what makes me laugh a little bit when I ask them to about it. But that seeing you know Liverpool players pick up the Champions uh, League trophy at the time or the European Cup as it was called mm-hmm. then was like a far away distance. It was like, a, it was a magical experience. I'm never going to get anywhere near that. But the, the FA Cup was something that I'd love to play in an FA Cup final. I'd love to be out there. It was a, like a disaster when we did play, but it was, you know, <laughs> it, but ironically enough, it was against Arsenal. A lot of my mates yeah. was there. So that was a bit, that was the only good thing that would come out of that cup final that a few of my mates was there watching it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, but as you get into the game and as you play and as it starts coming along, it gets, you know, I leave Wimbledon to go and try and challenge and compete and try and play at the highest level and win a, win a trophy and things like that. So mm-hmm. from that point of view, you know, that, that was the, that, that was my benchmark to go and in that cup final and the Champions League looked a million miles away. But as you get into the game and you play, you feel like it's, it's getting closer. Brilliant, brilliant. I mean, Keith uh, Warren mentioned there about his memories as a, as a kid watching watching Arsenal and three cup players. <clears> Obviously, you were Man United uh, growing up, then won the trophy plenty of times in the 80s, 1990, I think, as well. Uh, similar sort of scenario, mate. I mean, look, you were, you were brought up Man United who were successful in, in, from the 90s onwards, really. Um, 
you know, you, you experience uh, Champions League football, European football, like Warren. Um, but again, same question. In, is the era changed that much where it's all about you've got to play Champions League football, doesn't matter how you get there. And I suppose, in a sense, the, the, the sort of the the glory of winning an FA Cup or a League Cup sort of has been overshadowed a little bit by that. But back in your day, how, how did uh, put into comparison? Well, I mean, the same as Warren. You know, you, we all know what FA Cup final day was all about. You know, from nine o'clock in the morning, you were watching on TV. I think it's been, you know, a little bit degraded now, you know, because it, it's still a fantastic competition. And it's still it's still a great day out for you know, whichever side you support as a fan going there. Um, you know, unfortunately, in 98, um, the Arsenal game, I missed out with, with injury. Um, so I never got to yeah. play in a cup final. But, you know, I remember watching 83, United beating Brighton, uh, Norman Whiteside's goal in 85 against Everton. Um, I think it was Lee Martin scored in 1990 for United. Mm-hmm. You know, so obviously growing up a United fan, you know, I've seen three three finals. I was an apprentice at the club when they got to the final and they beat I think they beat Chelsea 4-0 uh, about 90... Yeah, 94. 93-94 around that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you know, for you know, that was that was all you wanted to do as a kid. You know, you, you obviously wanted to be a professional footballer but you wanted to get, you know, to big finals and I don't think Europe never really crossed my mind then, um, you know, because uh, uh, you mentioned before Heysel, you know, we had so many years of of there not even being English clubs in Europe. Um, you know, so that's you know, when my love of football was, was beginning to grow during that sort of period when when we didn't see any European or English teams in Europe. So, you know, it is a it is a fantastic occasion, you know, when you do get to play in Europe. There's 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 no doubt about that. And I think, you know, that is the pinnacle now. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think it was you know if you look back then, you sort of had the European Cup, you had the UEFA Cup, you had the Cup Winners Cup, but you you had one one team in each, you know. And now you're looking at, you know, you're you're looking eight, nine, seven, eight teams probably yeah, playing in yeah. Europe, you know, with this Europa Conference and you know West Ham have obviously qualified now where they'll go into Europa League next year. Um, you know, you've got the four the four teams who have qualified straight away for the Champions League. And then there's probably did Aston Villa qualify, Brighton, mm-hmm. um, Liverpool. You know, so I think there's probably eight teams in Europe next year. Where back in back in the, the days growing up, you know, there was there was three teams, mm-hmm. you know, and that was it. So I think um, you know it was it was so different then, I suppose, with with, um, with the way it was because it was all knockout, you know, with with two legs, you know, you had to win over those two legs where. Now you can lose games and, and and still go on and qualify from your group, and it's a big uh, it's a big difference. Obviously, TV TV money has a has a lot to do with that. But you know, for me, the FA Cup was was the one that you know everyone wanted to play in because that's that's what you sort of associate with football as a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I didn't, re- I, Mark, I didn't realize how old we was. <laughs> we <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, I, still it, it's, think, I still think I'm 25. <laughs> you look it. You look it. But the thing, the thing is, gents. I mean, Christ, we're 22 minutes in, and this is supposed to be a season review. So that I can hear the listeners going, "We want to hear about Jacob Murphy." So, lads, look, fascinating stories, great, great tales, and, and reminiscing. It always is, lads. That's the whole point of these pro views. But Warren, I'll bring you in, mate. Um, the season that's just gone, absolutely fantastic. As we say, we've touched on Champions League. 
Uh, but it's sort of a, a bit of an analysis between us all because we've, you know, there's so many great memories, so many great games, players, goals, incidents. Um, you know, we haven't even touched on the manager yet, which I'm sure we will. But overall, Warren, um, player of the season for you, mate, who would you go for? I might be slightly biased, but Trippier has, has been outstanding. And, you know, he's setting the benchmark when he first came to the club. And I said it in the programme, he's a, he's a proper player. You know, a couple of them we're not sure about. Bruno, it's, I think he's surprised a lot of people. I knew he was a good player, Leon. You know, in the French league, he's good, technical. But I didn't realise how good he was and comfortable he was on the ball. I think he would be even better further up the field, maybe playing as an eight rather than just a holding midfield player. And as Keith touched on really early on, like, not only the people that we've brought into the club, Botman, I think, will get better and better. He's the closest thing I've probably seen to Bilic that was at Manchester United. He's strong. He can get on the ball. Maybe can react a little bit better sometimes when the ball goes in behind him. But he relies a lot on his pace. But he's still only a young player. Uh, Pope, the goalkeeper, for £10 million. I mean, what a, what a signing he's been. But and, and I don't want to forget Wilson because I love him. I think he was under a bit of pressure. We hadn't scored in nine or ten goals. The new signing comes in. You know, a lot of the fans were saying, get rid of him, but he's come in and got 18 goals. So, but for me, Trippier, I think he's been arguably a class uh, player on and off the field. Um, there's no doubt with his deliveries. Um, so, yeah, I think you go hard by But like Keith said, you know, uh, Joe Linton has been phenomenal, you know, under, under Steve, which I've got an utmost respect for Steve. And, you know, I'm not criticising him as a person, but managers, the style of football wasn't great. And, you know, he wasn't getting the best out of someone like Joe Linton, Murphy, Almiron. Eddie's made all of these players better, better than they was. And that's credit to, to Eddie. And like you said, we'll touch on that. But for me, Trippier, uh, but closely with Pope and and um, and Bruno as well in midfield, because I think he's he's definitely a class player that you can build a lot of things around him because he's, uh, he's a top-class player as well. And I love, he's got a little bit of fight in him as well. You know, he, he can put his foot in when he needs to, which we all know the Geordie public love that. You know, they love someone that's going to look after themselves because that's they, that's what they've always done. They're never going to get bullied by anybody. So, yeah. <laughs> Wise words, Warren. Before I bring in, Keith, I mean, Warren's mentioned uh, a fair few players there. I mean, for me, Almiron, first off this season, if he had to continue that form, he would have been without a shadow of a doubt the player this season. Wilson, back end of the season, phenomenal score, scoring record, showed what he can do. But overall, I'm I'm going to go for Joe Linton. Overall, I just think I love his I love his attitude. I love his style. I love the fact that he he, he seems to be the not the bully, but the sort of he just looks after everyone. And I enforcer. He's the enforcer. He's in. That's, a, that's the word I'm looking for, Warren. You should be on this more often. But uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for Joe Linton as my uh, as my player of the season, Keith. And uh, I'm wondering whether you're going to disagree with any of us. <laughs> no, do you know, and I did think long and hard about it, and, and you know. It's great when you sh you've got so many to pick from because of the season that we've had. But I think I've I've got to agree with Warren with Trippier. Um, yeah. You know, me and Warren, as soon as we came into the club, you know, we knew what the club was all about so early on. We bought into everything about the club, and you can see he has done exactly the same. You know, people were sort of thinking, well, he's leaving a a team in in Spain here who who are you know challenging for Champions League. You know, in Champions League finals, and he's come to Newcastle, who at the time were, you know, we were struggling, we were down, yeah. you know, at the bottom of the league. So mm -hmm. he uh, he's come in, and, and from day one, he's he's been different class. But you know, I I think even you know we didn't even mention before, uh, you know, Botman we obviously mentioned, but I think Shar's been been fantastic yeah. as well because 
you know, a year and a half ago, I probably, I probably would have let him go. I, I just didn't really think he was that dependable. But now you see the partnership they've had all season, and and you know, I, I suppose we've been quite fortunate with with the back five that we got because we've never really suffered any injuries. You know, if you look at the team most weeks, it's 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 that back five. You know, and that that's important for defensively. You know that these players know each other. They play week in, week out with each other. And, you know, that was the five for most of the season. Mm-hmm. So, it's there's, there's, there's plenty more. You know, Callum Wilson had a great end of the season, as, as we all know. Isaac came in, done great. Um, you know, he's obviously not been there long enough to, to consider him. Uh, I think Dan Byrne had a great season. You know, for somebody playing left-back who isn't a natural left-back. Um, Longstaff, I think he's proved a lot of you know, a lot of doubters wrong because yeah. I think when he was out of the side, you realised how much you missed him. You you missed that sort of the work that he gets through. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's 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 plenty to pick from, but I think I think I would probably just agree with Warren with with Trippier. Um, I think he's he is so dependable. He's you very rarely see him have a bad game, you know, and you add that to you know the set pieces that he that he provides and the, and the goals, you know, that he assists. Brilliant. And I think that proves to show that the dressing room camaraderie between you two still exists because you've just agreed with each other. But uh, before, we, before we move on to the, uh, the, the rest of the season review, we'll just take a small ad break. Are you, like Newcastle United, one of those who all you do is win every single day, no matter what? Well, if you want to win at running your own business, it's time to draft Shopify as your all-in-one commerce platform. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customise your online store to your brand, discover new customers and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world score their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. Shopify is the secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning ideas into the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Try out Shopify for free today and start selling anywhere. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash truefaith, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash truefaith to start selling online today. That's shopify.com slash truefaith. So in the gents, uh, we'll have mentioned a lot of players in, and Keith uh, picked my ears up in regards to unsung hero, in the, because for me, it would have been Fabian Shea. Um I think he was hitting it on the head. He was a little bit lost on a Steve Bruce. You wouldn't have been surprised if he was sold for a couple of million quid. Um, but for me, I think he's been very consistent. 
Um, I love that diagonal ball he, he appears to play in every game now and he, he finds uh, either Isak or Murphy or Joe Linton on the left-hand side. Uh, so for me, it would be Shea because I just think he doesn't get the, the songs or the adulation as, as a, a Warren Barton or a Keith Gillespie would get, should I say. But uh, but yeah, Warren, uh, Fabian Shea... He's, might, too, might he's, too, good look, he's too good looking. He's, <laughs> and, he's, and, and he's fucking intelligent as well. He's just got a master's degree, hasn't he? So fuck him. He's, he's all right. Don't worry about him. He's all right. He's not going to struggle. He ain't going to struggle. He's not, he's not worried about Newcastle player of the year, believe me. Well, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a hard done by unsung hero, Warren. So who are you going to go for then? Unsung hero, Newcastle United. Right. Okay. He's, he and and uh, Keith touched on it as well about uh, Shane Longstaff as well. I think he's one that we miss, but I just think the the work that he's done, um, his effort, his energy. Uh, I think he's he's grown as a player. There was touch of him maybe getting in the England setup as well. So an unsung one that doesn't maybe get. And I love Big Dan Burns. I'd love to have played with him. I'd love to have been in the change room with him. We probably would have hammered him, but he, yeah. he seems a great fella, you know, and playing out of position for the majority of the time. And I know he struggled a couple of times, one against West Ham when he's coming against a true winger mm-hmm. that give him a bit of problems, but all round. So, but I'd go with, with Joe. I think he's been, you know, brilliant where he's got around the field. Uh, and just, again, probably one of the first or second names on the sheet. Uh, yeah, the others all get a lot of credibility. But yeah, I'd go with him. Another one who hasn't got a song, can you believe? I don't know what you can what you can do with Joe. Another another one that I'm not going to worry about. He's good looking. He's got a good body, <laughs> and he's got five fucking cars. So I wouldn't feel sorry <laughs> for the young fella. Can I, can I just say so, Keith? If you notice as well, Sam Maximum, he wears two watches. What is all that about? He wears two gold Rolexes. I mean, really? come on, yeah. You have a look at him when he comes in. There's one on Instagram at the moment. He's got two two watches that he wears. Is he that stupid? He can't tell the time. Is it? You need two of them. <laughs> I, I, I've never noticed that before. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, have a look. Anyone have a look? Looking that up. I'm looking that up because that's just outrageous. That's just pure showing off that he can actually. <laughs> well, thing, I'm too old to be noticing things. Like, I've got to really get a life. I really got yeah. to get a life over here. Well, Keith, I'm, I'm assuming that Saint Maxim's not going to be your unsung hero then because of his watches. So, who, who would yours be, mate? <laughs> I think I probably would go with Dan Byrne. Right. Um, you know, we, we spoke about him earlier in this season on the on the programme and I, I thought he was having a, a fantastic season. And you know, he is he, he's not a he's not a left back, we know that, but for him to sort of you know, keep Target out of the side, because I actually thought Target at the yeah. start of the season probably would have been the choice to, to play because he's that natural left back and I think he's a decent player, but it sort of just goes to show how well he played. The target just never really got a look in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was probably times towards the end of the season where, you know, he, he did get found out a few times. But I think overall, all season, you know, he can be pretty pleased with it with the season he's had. I mean, you know, the, the sad thing is, I fully expect Newcastle to go out and buy a left back. Yeah, you know, that is the position that they they probably need, and and I think probably Dan Byrne knows that himself, but. When you've got Dan Byrne, you, you know, maybe sitting on the bench who can provide cover for centre half or left back, you know, you've got a fantastic squad player there. So I think I, I would have to give it to Dan Byrne. Fantastic. Well, Warren, we, we've touched on this before about uh, Jordy's playing for Newcastle United. Um, you know, Dan Byrne seems to, his career has went to a different level since he signed for Newcastle, of course. Is there any truth in the fact that you all represent your hometown club? Are you are you are you raising your game? I'm I'm not questioning the other professionals at the club, of course, 
But would you raise your game more because you're playing for that club that you actually support? I mean, it's a difficult answer because you never played for Arsenal, of course. But uh, what's your thoughts I'll on that one? I turned them down to come to Newcastle. So I turned <laughs> them down. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, there must be. I mean, like Keith said, when we first walked into to Newcastle, you had Steve Watson, Robbie Elliott, uh, obviously P- Pedro, Peter Beardsley, who did, but Nash in particular, and, and Robbie and Steve Howie, they was like, this is my club. But Nash, Lee Clark more than anybody. I, I think yeah. he was really about being a Newcastle fan. Everybody he knew, he like people in the town he knew, everybody he'd been around. So uh, for me, Lee Clark made it pretty clear that that just weren't a normal job or playing for a normal football club. It meant so much to him. And there was a lot of pressure, a lot of added pressure. But yeah, I think there would be. I mean, Keith did it for Man United. So he's yeah. a Man United fan putting on that shirt. It, it, it must be special. But yeah, Lee, you could tell with Lee Clark in particular that the, the pride that he has, and with Big Dan, you can see when he got the goal, he didn't really know how to celebrate. You can imagine him as a kid, he was you know playing on the streets and then imagine that he was scoring at the Gallagher end and then he actually goes and does it. I mean, I mean, what a feeling that would be. Fantastic. Fantastic. That takes me to the goal of the season uh, because I'm going to mention that one. Uh, Warren, I'll come to you first, mate. Um, goal of the oh. season, it, it can be being spectacular, it can be a, a moment, it can be just an overall just... You know, match winner, whatever. Yeah, you touched. There's, there's two I'm going to go with. Just for one for the goal would be Almiron at Fulham. Um, He was flying at the time and go down to Fulham that had a good season. Uh, But the technique that he showed, um, Big Al Shearer said he didn't mean it, but I I think it was a a decent (laughs) strike. But so for me, that would be the goal with the, the ability that he did it with. He smashed it into the corner. The one that I really, really enjoyed was. the penalty against Nottingham Forest when the, the mind games was all starting and Trippier, you know, that's when I think we really looked as a team that we was there and to score in front is a, is a giveable ball to Isaac. He scores and puts the ball away in the back of that and celebrates with everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that, that for me was a real turning point as a team sticking together uh, and scoring that goal. But yeah, if I'm going to go with one, it'd be the one for Almiron, his volley. Brilliant. And uh, Keith, any luck to bring the main for you, mate? Um, I think Almiron uh, was against Everton because uh, it was it was such a tight game. Um, I think it was the winning goal. We ended up winning one 0 I was mm-hmm. I was at the game that night, and mm-hmm. there wasn't really an awful lot happening in the game. But he just curled it into the top corner, and you know it was it was sort of just during that period where he was just having that purple patch. Um, you know everything he struck went in the back of the net, and I think that was an important goal at that time because. So we probably weren't at our best that night and it just needed that little bit of quality, you know, mm-hmm. and he provided it with the with the curler in the, the top corner. But I liked, um, I did like uh, Isaac's goal away at Brentford as well. The one yes. from the, the box. Yeah. I thought that was a fantastic finish because, you know, we were we were 1-0 down and, you know, they're, they're a difficult side to play against, you know, and to come back and, and for him to get the winning goal as he did and smash it into the top corner. So I think I'd probably go with those two. Brilliant. I mean, you, Warren mentioned the Dan Byrne goal at Leicester. He didn't know how to celebrate. For me, that was the goal of the season because obviously it was a cup quarter final. It was his first goal for the club. People said he, he you know, he would get a nosebleed crossing the halfway lane. He never, never supported the the wingers or the midfielders. He took the goal brilliantly well. The stadium absolutely erupted in disbelief, but also sheer joy. So when I look back on the season, that's the first goal that pops in my head. Jordy Lard as well as was mentioned. And it's just, I think it just encapsulated the whole season, you know. As you say, lads, Eddie Howe's getting 
an extra 10, 15, 20% out of these players. And uh, and yeah, so it would be it would be damn burn for me. But a shout out for um Jacob Murphy as well, that goal against Spurs. Uh, when he when he just out of the blue and he was just in utter disbelief. We we were laughing, we were laughing, lads, uh, on the on the preview afterwards because he was shocked, we were shocked. It was like, what the hell's going on here? Um, so that that, that would be uh, another memorable one for me. But what about the match or performance of the season, uh, Warren? You know, overall we've we've had a positive season. There's been a couple of blips. You know, the cup final, uh, what a couple of defeats uh, against uh, Liverpool, Man City, uh, around about that time as well. But overall, the season's been absolutely brilliant. What would be your what would be your result in the season? Yeah. Again, too the the Man City game I thought was a brilliant game, a great advert for the Premier League. But for me, it's the, the Tottenham game at home, the five 0 That that twenty five twenty six minutes where we just blew them away uh, was like you said. There was a little bit of disbelief, and don't forget, you can a team that was you know fighting neck and neck to try and get in the Champions League. You've not done it against a team, you know Southampton. They're already relegated. They're already you know demoralised. They was fighting for, you know, trying to get in the Champions League. And that performance to me really, I think everybody in, in Europe sat up and thought, you know, this this is a proper team. You know, they've got a style of play. Uh, so for me, I know it wasn't a full 90 minutes and you can maybe write that off. But I think that was a statement performance to beat them, you know, so early on in the game um, was fantastic. You know, I think that was a, that, that was a big one. But there's been, as I said, there's been a lot. But that was a real, like there's certain moments in the season and you think, yeah, that was that was to put the nail in the coffin. They're out of it. We're going to go because they just went to pieces. Uh, yeah. So that one really stands out to me. Brilliant, Keith. Yourself? Yeah, I think that's probably the one that most people would pick. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually at Wembley that day. I was uh, working the United Brighton game, and um, I was up in a box, and I brought my young daughter with me, who's a Tottenham fan. So I left at two o'clock the box, and I was downstairs and. 20 minutes gone, I seen 5 0. So I texted her with Tottenham and we monkey face. You know, <laughs> and I sent me a message back saying, Don't talk to me again, Dad. <laughs> and she was absolutely devastated. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that is the one you know that, that most people would go for. I think the Aston Villa game, you know, at home as well. Yeah. I remember that game and it was 0 0 at the time and, and right on the six yard box somebody made a great tackle um i can't remember who it was to keep it at nil each and then we just kicked on from there and then you know that's a big turning point in the game you know you probably saved a certain goal going one nil down and then you go and win four nil so that would be another game where you know i thought you know just everybody fighting for their lives you know in terms of blocks and throwing your body in front of balls um i, I seriously can't remember who it was i don't know whether it was dan Byrne, maybe Mm-hmm. Who, who made the tackle? But um, obviously a game changer that day. But mm-hmm. you know, there's there's so many to pick from. Uh, you know, Warren mentioned the Man City game. You know, and that's that sort of showed you how far we'd come because you know we're playing against a top class side that day. You know, we're three one up. I know we were probably hanging on towards the end, uh, but you know, to actually, you know, that sort of set, um, showed a statement that day in terms of what Newcastle was all about. Um, you know, the players that had come in and. And how Eddie wanted to, wanted us to play, um. So yeah, there's there's plenty of games, and you know it it, it makes a change from maybe last season into the season where, you know, when Steve Bruce is probably manager, we're trying to scratch our heads what our best performance of the season was. Yeah, so yeah. now you know we've got you know so many to pick from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and you, you mentioned the Man United home game there, a little bit of revenge when we beat them two 0 I mean, for me that was probably the most complete performance over the whole 90 minutes because we just we just stopped them doing anything 
Um, mm-hmm. So that that one for me, and also the Tottenham away game, I think that was a, a statement of intent in a sense because we never go down to Tottenham and, and do well over recent years. Really, I think we beat them. Uh, Joe Linton got a win a few years back, but we. I, I don't know what it was. I think that was a really like, look, we're, we're, we're coming up fast now. Um, and after last season, when we had that fantastic end and, and finished mid-table, it was uh, it was good to do. But moving on to um, expectations, gentlemen. Um, you know, we don't know how the transfer winner's going to go. We've all got an idea of who we want. Uh, so two questions really, Warren. Um, expectations for next season based on the current squad, but also a, bit, a little bit fantasy football as well. I mean... I think I might know who you're going to go for, but <laughs> if we could only say one player, who would it be and why? Well, he's already gone. The one player that I wanted, he's already gone to Real Madrid. Um, but uh, I think realistically with this squad is European football. Now, whether that's the, the chance of getting into um, the Champions League or Europa, or like Keith mentioned, it could be you know, down to seven or eight, depending on how it goes. But I think... When I say European football, I mean Europa or Champions League. So I think that would be with this this squad. But like Keith mentioned as well, we did, you know, though Trippi was out one or two games, we didn't have too many problems with with injuries. Maybe that's down to the conditioning. Maybe that's down to how the preseason wants or how they train. I think they train how they play. So that's, that's always a good sign. Um, you know, if I'd looked at, say, a Declan Rice, you know, he's going to be available. But I think, you know, that he's looking at maybe a, a, a Bayern Munich. But I, like I've said to you, Mark, there's, a, there's an identity of what they want. They want big, strong, athletic, powerful football players. And there's an identity of what they want to, to go forward. You know, if you go to Leicester and, and look at Madison, who's a little bit different with the... X Factor. We struggled against Leeds, if you remember that game, to someone who's got a clever pass. Like we were used to rely on Peter, Peter Beardsley. He would make something out of nothing and then Les might tap it in and, you know, get the goal and then we're off and running. So you need someone like that who's going to come to St James's and make it difficult and sit back. He may have something. And, you know, War Prowse, free kicks, someone. So I think the depth we need to get stronger as well. We touched on yeah. if we get a left back, um, you obviously have Dan Burns on the bench, but there's going to be players leaving as well that are not going to be happy or later on in their career. But in an ideal world, you go and get a Champions League player or people that have been around that, get one or two of them, or you get good top professional Premier League players that have been in the league a while or been in another top league for a while, whether it's in Serie A, whether it's... But there's going to be an identity. They're going to be quick, they're going to be strong, they're going to be athletic, they're going to be powerful. So that adds to what Eddie wants. Mm-hmm. Keith, uh, over to you, mate. Uh, current squad, how do you think see the next season going? And uh, again, a little bit like Warren, obviously, Bellingham's on his way to um, Real Madrid by all accounts. So, unfortunately, we can't get him, even if I ever stood a chance. But realistically, mate, who, who would you like to see the way of black and white next season? Do you know, it, it might sound harsh on, on Callum Wilson. I, I would just go and get Harry Kane. Mm. You know, he's in the last year of his contract. You know, they probably want 80 to 100 million. But Harry Kane is just gold. You know, he guarantees you 25-plus goals. Everyone talks about Haaland this season, 34 goals in the league for Man City. Harry Kane got 30 in a really struggling side. That shows you what a player he is. You know, I would honestly go and get him. You know, Callum Wilson, you know, he has a few injury problems. He doesn't play every game, you know, and there's times where he's maybe out for you know, four to six weeks at times, you know, and if you have Harry Kane, you know, you look at sort of Harry Kane's, you know, record and, you know, he doesn't miss that many games, 
You know, he plays an awful lot of football. You look at the goals he scores for England. You know, he's just a proven goal scorer. You know, and Cave, will... do, you, do, you, Cave, do you think he want to break Alan's record as well? It, yes. Want to stay? He want to stay? Want to break his oh, record if he can? Hundred percent. You know, there's obviously a little bit of talk about Real Madrid at the minute because obviously Benzema's gone. But I honestly do think he'll want to stay in England and break that record. And you know, if he stays fit for another four or five years, he will break it. There's no doubt about that because you know when when you score thirty in a struggling side, which Tottenham were, you you just didn't know what you were going to get from Tottenham. You know, even. He's playing at St James's and they're you know five nil down and, and and struggling. You know he's the one who pops up with the goal. You, you know he's just he's just got such an eye for goal. He can score every type of goal: headers, left foot, right foot, free kicks, penalties, everything. He has got absolutely everything. So, you know if you if you go and get Harry Kane, you're guaranteed twenty five to thirty goals a season, especially in a better side at Newcastle than, than what Tottenham is. Mm -hmm. It'd be quite ironic if he does break it. Wearing a Newcastle shirt, wouldn't it? I'm sure Alan, you know, Alan obviously being a Jordy, you know, I'm sure Alan knows deep down that, that Harry Kane is going to break it. So I'm mm. sure Alan would be absolutely delighted if it if it did happen. Wearing you know, Alan, it'd be fucking devastating. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be saying to Harry Kane, get yourself off to Spain, get over there. He'd yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be devastated. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, put it this way, gents. If we're saying uh, all three, the Madison War Prowse and, and Kane, it'll be a very, very happy. Happy Northeast uh, Newcastle United uh, fan base, but gentlemen, it's been it's been fascinating reviewing a bit of a snapshot of the season and obviously reminiscing about uh, years gone by. As always on the Pro View, uh, great to see you both together. Uh, cracking partnership back in the day and a cracking partnership on the Pro View, gents. So really appreciate your time, uh, listeners. Thanks for your continued support. Without that, we could not do this. We couldn't get the lads on, and we've got plenty more to come during the summer. So please stick with us. For now, thanks very much. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.